Hello and welcome to the podcast version of the George Street Community Bookshop Salon, our response to the latest lockdown and a way of staying in touch with members and customers. It's a chance to discuss books with fellow book lovers and also a little reminder that we're still here and that you can still buy books from us online at georgestreetcommunitybookshop.co.uk. Our first episode is about spy fiction, and shop manager Steve will be talking to a big fan of that particular genre. We'll also have an update from Lucy, who runs our book club. So grab your drink of choice, pull up a chair, and make yourself at home. Worry before, and you'll be prepared. Worry afterwards, and you'll keep your feet on the ground. But don't worry during action. That's fatal. Helen McInnes, Assignment in Brittany. Hello, welcome to episode one of our salon. Uh, This episode is called Male Bonding and it's concerned with spy fiction. Modern spy fiction, like uh, many genres uh, of fiction that we now have, came of age in the 20th century. The great powers found that as technology developed and it was easier to communicate and, and you can move around the world quicker, that they had to respond to threats or perceived threats to their nationhood and to their status. So they developed secret intelligence services, secret services that looked at uh, dissidents at home and secret intelligence services that kept an eye on foreign countries and foreign nationals. And novelists at the time responded to this. Of course they did. And spy fiction as we know it was born. One of the first the modern spy fiction books and a book that is still read today and still extremely popular is The Secret Agent by Joseph Conrad. It's set in London in uh, late 19th century. He wrote this in 1907 and it's a tale of anarchists and terrorism and it still speaks to us today. It still has something to say about the world we live in right now and it was recently uh, dramatised uh, on the BBC and fantastic it was. So this is a great book. So, okay, it's maybe a bit archaic. Some of its language was so hardy and the Brontes, and that's brilliant. They're both, they're all brilliant reads. And this is too. Perhaps more importantly for the development of spy fiction was John Buchan's The 39 Steps. And in particular, his hero, who is almost a prototype for modern spies in, in spy fiction. He's, he's almost like a cross between um, John le Carre's George Smiley and Ian Fleming's James Bond. Um, that character is Richard Hannay. He first came um, out in 1915 when he was fighting uh, against uh, German spies. And the book 39 Steps was a massive bestseller. We haven't got 39 Steps. Every time it comes in the shop, it sells, it goes straight up. Well, we have got this one. And this is called Green Mantle, and this is a sequel, and this is even better. And there are five books in the Richard Hannay uh, series, and they're all really good, they're all worth your time. So those two books are like the founding stones, or founding fathers, of modern spy fiction. Now, many of the writers of spy fiction know what they're talking about. 
And that's because they were employed as spies themselves, even on an ad hoc basis. John le Carré, most famously perhaps, but Frederick Forsyth, Somerset Maugham, Graham Greene, Ian Fleming. All these people were, were spies and we end up with like the quiet American and we've got the day of the jackal and of course, Le Carré. Um, now, I presume to be a spy, you have to be able to lie convincingly. And to lie convincingly, you have to be good at stories. So perhaps that's why they like to employ writers. So far, you've noticed that every name on the list has been a man. Um, we can't deny that um, most of our popular spy fiction writers are men. But there are some fantastic female writers who've written on the genre, and the best of them, although I'm certainly the most popular, is Helen McInnes. She's known as the queen of spy writers, according to the Sunday Express. She wrote 21 books, and four of them were turned into films. And her husband was a spy. Stella Remington was once the head of MI5. And in fact, she was the first person uh, who, who was officially named to be the head of MI5. Prior to Stella Remington, um, they always denied that there was even an MI5. And so, and she was also um, supposedly the first head of MI5 who, who, who operates democratically. No license to kill. Also, we're told Stella Remington is now a novelist, a spy novelist, and she is wildly successful. Just like uh, John Buchan's 39 Steps, soon as her books come in, they're out straight away. Other female uh, spy fiction writers include uh, Lara Prescott, who's written a wonderful book called The Secrets That We Keep, um, which is well worth reading. Kate Atkinson has written a great spy novel uh, called Transcription. Um, and others, uh, like Penelope Fitzgerald, who wrote The Bookshop, <laughs> has also dabbled in spy fiction. So there are lots of female writers, as well as my male uh, spy writers. The, the good news is, is they're all very, very good, so come get some spy fiction. Here's Lucy, who runs our bookshop book club, and she's going to be telling us about some of the books that the club have been reading and discussing, and here she is with her first report. Hello, my name is Lucy and I am the hostess of the George Street Bookshops Book Club. Um, the book club was always a long-term goal for the shop, um, although it's irrelevant, unfortunately, at the moment because we're shut due to COVID. Uh, we have the perfect space in the shop um, to get together over a cuppa and chat books. So it was always something that we intended to do. Uh, but unfortunately, obviously, due to restrictions, we weren't able to do it. In summer last year, we decided to take the plunge and set up the book club online. And ironically, it's worked probably better in terms of book discussion than it, than it does in person purely because people can focus on what they're saying and let their voices be heard. Um, so it really has been fantastic. And I know that obviously a lot of people have had, well, certainly had a hard year last year 
uh, and perhaps are going to have some hard months ahead. Um, and I know that for me personally, it's been an absolute lifesaver to be able to meet new people, albeit virtually, um, and to read some exciting books. So today I would like to talk about the first book that we read uh, all the way back in July, which seems bonkers now, which was A Little by Edward Carey. Um, Little is historical fiction. Uh, it's the novelised account of Madame Tussaud's early life, her childhood, um, which was rather hard, um, her apprenticeship or, or under quite a quirky chap um, who originally used to take casts, uh, wax casts of uh, bits and organs of people's bodies for medical school um, and her young adulthood in Paris uh, which is you know if you know anything about Madame Tussaud it's quite well known that she lived in Paris during the French Re Revolution um, and also cast heads of people who had been decapitated. Um, Edward Carey is such a quirky writer. Uh, the entire book is littered with little sketches and things. I actually got excited right at the beginning thinking that they were Madame Tussaud's own sketches. Uh, they're not, uh, but they're presented in that way and they're slightly creepy as well, um, which kind of helps lend the book an air of kind of um, gruesomeness and creepiness, which I think if anyone's ever been to the Waxworks in London, uh, or indeed there's one in Blackpool, I believe, um, that that kind of creepiness pervades the actual waxwork museums themselves so, so it does really reflect her, her kind of style um, it's so exciting, it's so atmospheric uh, particularly the Parisian section of the book um, the quirky characters that she meets you've got your kind of baddies one in the form of her... Um, her master's uh, wife, well, the woman who becomes uh, his wife, who's quite controlling, doesn't like her and picks on her, keeps her in kind of menial roles. Um, and it's fascinating, really, because Madame Tussaud, if you know anything about her, um, kind of mythologised herself a bit. She was interesting enough, she didn't really need to make up stories about herself, but she did. Um, and I feel that that means that Edward Carey could play fast and loose with the plot a bit and although some of it we know is actual reality some of it is clearly completely made up and almost slightly um slightly magical um in in you know the things that happens and but if you know anything about Madame Tussaud you can kind of play um, on the tales that she used to tell and kind of make it more, more elaborate. Um, and overall, it just makes for a really, really fascinating book. Uh, we all went away afterwards and watched a documentary on Madame Tussaud, which wasn't nearly as interesting as the book, uh, but kind of compounded some of the things that we find out. Um, I would really recommend it. Uh, I'm quite pleased because this was my choice um, and I didn't... <laughs> didn't make a fool of myself it probably represents what I personally like in a book um I think we all need to be swept away at the moment and it certainly did the job um so it's nice to talk to you and hopefully I'll be able to speak to you about some more books that we've read very soon cheers I spoke with journalist Sean Hanan about James Bond and I asked him first of all for background on the life of Bond's creator, Ian Fleming. Um, yeah, well, Fleming started out um, 
he studied at Eton uh, and Sandhurst, so the military um, college. So uh, that's where I guess he first of all, you know, you get that that kind of background that is is um, transferred through into the books because obviously Bond uh, was expelled from Eton for indiscretions with a maid, and then Sandhurst, where he got, obviously he he got some you know kind of military training um, before he then um, was actually um, became. Um, Involved in the military in the Second World War, he was he was recruited by um, by naval intelligence. He'd also worked for Reuters as well, the news agency. So he had experience in, in journalism as well, which obviously then carried through to his writing. Uh, so it's kind of when he created the character of Bond, a lot of the background was done from his work in the military. He worked with a guy called Admiral Godfrey, who so he's working for naval intelligence. So he wasn't actually in. Uh, in combat, he was in the planning, so he was, um, you know, organizing operations. So, you know, there's various nefarious schemes that he dreamt up, some of which uh, were actually um, carried out and some which weren't, which remained in, on, the, on the kind of a drawing board to, to kind of tackle the Nazis. So, you know, you may have seen that. Do you remember that film Operation Mince Me? I think there's a comment yes. first, um Colin Firth film or TV drama being about it, you know, which was that kind of similar thing where they kind of, um, you know, they created a, bo- a, a a fake identity to kind of fool the Nazis and put fake plans on them. Yeah, and kind of a Ben McIntyre book, I think. It is a Ben McIntyre book. Yes. Ben yeah, McIntyre yeah. also written a really good book on Bond for your eyes only, which is about Fleming and and Bond. So if anyone's really wants to kind of get into how you know the character of Bond and was created in Fleming, then Ben McIntyre's book is brilliant. I actually went to the exhibition a few years ago at the Imperial War Museum, and um, it was really good. I almost hyperventilated in the gift shop. There were so many great books to buy yeah. and things like that. I think it was just before Christmas, so I kind of put a list into my my dad and my wife. You know, get me these. But yeah, Ben McIntyre's great and. And he's done a lot of um, that kind of, um, you know, spy books and military books that are kind of linked to, you know, he's done Blunt and he's done all those ones about, yeah. you know, Burgess McLean. So he's a fascinating writer, a really good presenter as well, I think. Yes, absolutely. But yeah, obviously Fleming, um, as we said, went to Eton and then Sandhurst and then he, he joined the Naval Intelligence. So obviously the background to Bond came about from um, his activities, although he wasn't actually, um, you know, fighting in combat although a lot of people think that he kind of did want to but that's maybe some of the idea for bond came from his aspirations to be you know in the thick of it but um bond was actually created by it was like a composite of a lot of the characters that he knew um through working for military intelligence so he, he actually created a commando group uh which i've been taking some notes actually uh, n- number 30 commando or 30 assault unit 30 au which was composed of specialist intelligence troops in 1942 so they kind of right. did special operations um, there's a good book called um fleming's commandos about that as well that came out a few years ago um so obviously he, he kind of drew on his experience from naval intelligence and put all these elements of various characters into 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 creating James Bond. So it's a composite of all the characters or some of the characters he knew from that kind of shadowy world of, you know, intelligence and 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 you know military fighting, you know, in the commando world. Right. So Fleming was not a conventional married man who went to the office and uh, <laughs> no. yeah. Well, he- yeah, well, he, I, mean, I mean, the famous um, kind of story about him is that he wrote Casino Royale. So he was published in 1953 and he wrote, which is the first Bond novel. He wrote it in 1952, but he wrote it as a kind of, to keep him, uh, the, the kind of, before his marriage, he was kind of slightly worried about his his uh, uh, impending marriage to uh, Anne Charteris. So he wrote the book as kind of a, a last ditch effort, I think, before he got married. And uh, maybe it was some sort of escapism before he settled down. And of course, then, then obviously he then went went on to write um, 
you know, 11 more books plus the, the short stories. But yeah, it was kind of written the year before he got married. Um, so Anne Charteris, is, she's not related to, the, was it the guy who wrote The Saint? Oh, no, that's, yeah, I'm not sure, actually. Yeah, Leslie Charteris. Yeah, yeah. I know about that, actually. Yeah, maybe they are linked. I'm not sure, yeah. I'll have to um, look for yeah, that. He kind of wrote the novels to distract himself from his uh, upcoming wedding. Um, but he called it, here's a good quote from him, he called it his dreadful oafish opus, um, which is <laughs> quite difficult to say, isn't it? Um, but he wants... He, he set out to write the spy story of, of all... of To end all spy stories is the famous quote from him, you know, which yeah, I think... I, he, you know, whether or not he did that is um, is up for debate. You know, James Bond is always referred to as a spy, but as, as we know, you know, he's not really a spy, is he? He's more of a kind of secret agent, really. And as the film was portraying him, you know, everyone knows who he is. He goes into any hotel in the world. <laughs> sweet reserved for him, doesn't he? And so <laughs> you can't really do much spying if everyone around the world knows who you are. But, um, you know, it, it obviously it started off the whole legacy of Bond and that, that first novel, which is a really good book. I mean, it's, it's, you know, if you are going to read the books, which we'd like to encourage you to do through, you know, through listening to this, um, you should read them in order, really. I know uh, most novels, sequences of novels should be read in order, but I think with the Bond ones, uh, they, you really need to read them in order because to see how the character develops and also, you know, slight references to other books and things like that. Not too many, but it's worth reading them in order. To so see, Casino you know. Ro- Royale was, was was the first one, yeah. Yeah, 1953 yeah. that came out, yeah. Um, I, re- I read that he, he chose the name James Bond because he thought it was really boring and you couldn't get more boring than James Bond. Right, I mean... It's an absolute brilliant name. It's just... It is. It's from um, a, an author, um, an American ornithologist who wrote a book, um, um, Birds of the West Indies, uh, and his name is James Bond, yeah. And he kind of wanted like a blunt kind of, you know, na- yeah, dull name, and that he came up with it. Yeah, it is a great name, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Rose by any other name. So Bond was written in 1953. Was it popular right from the off? It was, yeah. I mean, a few of his uh, the circles that he, you know, his wife's literary circles that she moved in, uh, they didn't really like it and they thought it was kind of dumbing down. But when it first came out, it was popular, yeah. And then obviously they got reprinted and as the series took off, they became massive. Um, there's quite a famous uh, story about um, when From Usher With Love was published that um, JFK listed it as one of his favourite books of, uh, you know, of that year. And so obviously that did right. brilliant for the bestseller lists, you know. Yeah. Didn't have Amazon at the time, but it would have shot up the Amazon hit list, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would have. Yeah. Was, was he kind of cynical about his creation? Did he kind of just a lot of writers once they've once they've got a series and they have to keep writing the same character again, and they become a bit cynical about yeah, it. Yeah, I think he did. Uh, I think he was actually, and I think by the end of it, it does maybe slightly slightly show that he was quite tired of it because. Th- I personally think that the quality of the books does diminish t- towards the latter part of the series. Occasionally, there's some of the last ones aren't as good. I think he, he kind of hit hit his purple patch in the start of the few novels. Like, if you're going to... I mean, I said about reading them in order, but if you are going to pick some to read, then Casino Royale, Live and Let Die, Moonraker, some of the early ones, particularly great books, I think. Also, I really like um, On National Secret Service as well, uh, which is a, one, of the, one of the later books. But, um, yeah, I think he did... It's like a lot of authors, don't they? They kind of have to kind of try and reinvent the character. Um, and it is quite hard, I think. And by the end of it, he did become kind of quite tired of the character, I think. And obviously, it's obviously partly based on him. So it must be kind of hard, really, when you're so intrinsically linked to the character right. as well. It's not like you're an author who's um, kind of dreamt up the character. I mean, there's a lot of Fleming, you know, in in Bond, isn't there? I mean, mm. he, you know, you read about Fleming and, you know, he liked, uh, you know, high society, he liked, uh, but he also liked 
alcohol, cigarettes and food as well. Some of the things I really like in, in the Fleming's books are his descriptions of things. I mean, uh, you know, descriptions of things like food. And at the time, obviously, it was post-war. So it's 19, early 1950s. You know, a lot of people have been used to rationing. And some of these foods that Bond is eating when he's abroad is so extravagant and exotic. And, and foreign mm. travel was unheard of to yes. a lot of people. So, yeah. you know, that's one of the reasons the books became popular, because they were escapists and people were reading about food they'd never eaten and they're reading about places they'd never been. So, you know, and when Bond is in the Caribbean or he's in, you know, um, America or he's in... Um, Japan. I mean, he indulges in the kind of, uh, you know, exotic culinary delights and uh, we well, indulge in quite a few delights, not just culinary. <laughs> but, you know, he, he um, yeah, he, he, he samples the local um, delicacies, shall we say. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a whole other area. But it's yeah. funny, the spies, uh, those spies in the 60s, uh, I'm thinking particularly of uh, the spy who wasn't named, but became Harry Palmer, Len Dayton's Harry Palmer. Yeah. He, he likes to cook. Uh, no. So you know he he's he's got he's got away with eggs. He likes he likes to listen to good music. He's a working class lad, but he's looking to get out, isn't he? He's looking. It's more escapism. It uh, is, yeah. I mean, I th- I think the whole. I mean, I'm a big um, I'm a big Harry Palmer fan. You can yeah. see the poster actually behind yes. me. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the poster for the Billion Dollar Brain and the Eucharist File is my favourite film of all time. And um, love it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Len Dayton, you probably know this, but in the film, so there's a bit where um, Kane is cooking is cooking for the woman in, in, in the book. Um, and they actually use Len Dayton's hands double for Kane's <laughs> in the filming of the, when they make preparing the meal. And um, yeah, Dayton wrote a recipe book as well. Right, whereas, yeah, yeah you, I mean, Bond has a maid, May, in the book. So you wouldn't catch really Bond probably cooking his own uh, cooking his own meals. Though he, he was a big scrambled eggs fan in the book, Bond. He right. loves a scrambled egg. and he, Right. But he doesn't like, uh, he doesn't like tea. He thinks it was responsible for the fall of the British Empire. Oh my God. Um, I've never thought of that. I know, yeah. It doesn't <laughs> like tea. You don't, I'd be in trouble. I'm drinking tea now. He wouldn't like that. He frowns, yeah. on, he frowns on it. So, yeah, there's a, it's the details, I think, as well in the books. Obviously, Fleming wanted people, you know, to know about, you know, um, the, the kind of, um, you know, the, how well travelled he was, I guess. And and also one of the things that the films often get criticised for is is the kind of branding, the product placement. But obviously throughout the books, the books are littered with brands because obviously Bond, you know, Fleming writes about the things that Bond likes from the marmalade, tip, you know, tip tree jams and marmalade. I think it's all, um, you know, Moreland cigarettes, you know, and everything and the cars, obviously. So yes. Bentley, yeah. Bentley in the book. Um, so, yeah, it's always been littered with brands and, you know, what he's, you know, the, I think it's you know the shirts that he wears and and, and the suits and you know um, oh, fantastic. Another thing that I really like in the books as well, all that you know, the, which some of it has been carried through into the films, obviously. Um, mm. But yeah, and you know, even from the names of the guns and things like that, you know, it's all it's all well well researched by Fleming. Although he used to say that sometimes people he pointed things out that he got wrong. You know, people always do that, don't they? But but uh, but he actually got a guy in to help him. Um, uh, on the come some of the armory details as well. There were, yeah. you know, the, the, uh, Hilary Mantel said, when, when, when you're writing historical novels, she said, it doesn't matter what the characters do, but you've got to get the right kind of wallpaper. Yeah, <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. everybody... Will. But did this um, kind of machismo mach, mach, and this kind of uh, high life, in the later books written by other authors, yeah. did they have to change the character of, of Bond for more modern kind of... Uh, yeah, yeah. Th- there's been a lot of continuation novels. Uh, I have read them all, actually, and they are kind of varying. So you get, um, I mean, Kingsley Amis 
wrote under the pseudonym Robert Markham yeah. and did Colonel Sun, which is one of the best ones. And he kind of very much follows in Fleming's footsteps. And that was the first continuation novel after uh, the final Fleming novels, after Fleming had died, um, which which is, is really worth a read as well. It's really good. Um, and then you get, you know, John Gardner took over as well. And he updated it completely. And that was what, in the 80s? He yeah. wrote some of the books in the 80s and 90s. So it's that weird thing <laughs> with that weird thing with Bond, whereas you know Bond never seems to age really in in the books, uh, and then as soon as they get in, the Fleming estate get a new author in to, to kind of take over the character, they kind of reboot it a bit like they've done with the films. Really, you know, right. there was no really any continuity in the films, loose bits, but then until the Craig films, which have almost kind of become you know direct sequels. Um, yeah, so it's yeah they've reinvented the character you know he drives a Saab in the John Gardner novels no. very, very 80s very 90s you know and no. then yeah a Saab you'd never see James Bond in a Saab no you? Um, <laughs> not happening then, no and then there's obviously yeah there's Raymond Benson novels uh, and then you had um, one-offs from people like um, Sebastian Folks who did yeah. um, uh, Devil, Devil May Care which right. is which is, goes very much back to the kind of 50s 60s feel of the novels and then you've had um, Anthony Horowitz more recently who did two which I think are two of the best actually. I like Trigger Horowitz Mortis. yeah he's good at it yeah, yeah. Trip Mortis is a, is a sequel to Goldfinger and then um, well, the, the last one was um which I've uh, forever and a day. Right. Always forgot the title there. Which was um, a prequel to Casino Royale, which is really interesting. Which you kind of it's like an origins novel. Uh, you know how Bond gets to become 007 before he takes over from Casino Royale. And Horowitz also has incorporated elements of uh, Fleming's literature. There was unused stories that Fleming's estate provided okay. him with. So right. so he's got more kind of source material to base it on. Whereas some of the other guys have just kind of you know, gone, gone back to novels, but then t- made their, take, yeah, put their own spin on it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we mentioned the films there. When did they start and, and the development of the films? Well, Dr. No was the first Bond film. That was 1962. So the books were still being published when the, right. when the films, uh, film came, came out. Um, and then obviously you had 63 from Russia with Love and then 64 Goldfinger, which is kind of when Bond Mania kicked in. You know, Goldfinger, the film name checks the Beatles. So that was like yes. mid 60s. <laughs> you had Bond Mania and Beatlemania. So that's the kind of, I guess Goldfinger is the one that kind of sets the blueprint for how really a Bond film should be. You know, megalomaniac trying to do with the devious plans to take over the world, sinister henchmen, glamorous women, you know, cars with gadgets. That was when kind of, I guess, the Bond that most people know and love kind of hit the ground running, really. The first two films are slightly different, even though, you know, Dr. No, the first film is a kind of, you know, global megalomaniac. From Us With Love, which I think, for me, is my favourite Bond film. It's actually one of the closest to the novels. And earlier I mentioned On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which obviously was the the George Lazenby film. He only did one that came out in 69. Um, And that for me is also one of the best Bond films and also one of the closest to the novels because obviously they've started to stay away from the novels and then they obviously ran out of source material. So they started coming up with their own scripts. So some of them are more faithful to the, to the novel, to the novels and some of them only use the titles and just, you know, go hell for leather with their own plots and schemes and characters. But there's always a basis, you know, some elements are still based on on the novel. And then obviously with Daniel Craig came on as Bond, they rebooted it with Casino Royale because it hadn't been made into an official Bond film. It had only been a, a spoof Bond film with Peter Sellers and, um, 
Woody Allen and David Niven in the Oh, 60s. right, yes, yeah, yeah. Kind of it's like a film it. that no one knows. It's, it's funny, but it's, it doesn't make any sense. It's a bit of a disaster. Uh, what's a pussycat? So is that, no, that's not that one. Uh, yeah, similar, yeah, yeah, it was a similar era, wasn't it? Um, yeah. yeah, it's... Um, what, the Look of Love is the theme tune. Dusty right, Springfield, okay. You know. Well, theme tune... It's a bit of a film. It's a spoof film, so it's not an official Bond film, um, you know. Worth a watch, though, but um, can't take it very seriously. So they, they, you mentioned uh, the theme tune there. That's part more more evidence of the the cultural impact that James Bond has had. That you know nowadays people go on, or not so much nowadays. Say five, ten years ago, it was the X Factor number one, which will be the number one. But will it be yeah. the X? Then it was the Bond theme, wasn't it? The Bond theme was everything for ten years or so, wasn't it? It was. Who's going to do it? Yeah, especially yeah. in the eighties, I think, where you know in the sixties they kind of used you know people like Bassey and then popular singers of the day, Matt Monroe, and then you know with the seventies came along, it was you know McCartney doing uh, Live and Let Die, you know big rock stars of the day. And then the eighties, yeah. Eighties was like, you know, Duran Duran and Aha. And yeah. it was a kind of like, yeah, who would get the bomb thing? And I think it's still, there's still a certain amount of excitement around who gets it. And what, you know, I think, you know, the last, last few films, they've tried, tried to use some of the biggest artists in the moment, like Adele, Sam Smith, um, Billy Eilish, obviously. I mean, the whole big thing this year and last year, isn't it? Is obviously that the, the bomb song came out before the film. Then the yeah. film has, and we've not seen the film because it's been delayed and there's rumours in, in the press at the moment that it's going to be delayed again till November this year. So, is it essential, do you think, that, that a new Bond film is seen in the cinema rather I than... I think so, yeah. In, I mean, I think... Events. yeah. I think so. I think there's two elements to that. I think, first of all, the fans want to see it on the big screen. You know, it's an event movie, isn't it? Like yeah. the Star Wars films, I think. But also, I guess, just the sheer amount of sponsorship deals that are tied in with Bond is, you know, people have paid a lot of money to, to, these, to these products to be seen in the film and you know they're big box office films and I guess if you if you do that there's only so much you can recoup via streaming and on a TV and I guess if you're a maker of, you spent so much money on these films as a producer and the, the distributors they want them to be shown in the best possible way I think on the big screen and with the you know the good uh, you know Dolby Atmos sound and the kind of immersive experience and you know, I think it's a shame, really. It's part. I'm torn between two ways, really. I really want to see the film. So mm. if it went on to Netflix or Amazon, of course, I'd go and I'd watch it. But then I'd have to go back later in the year and watch it in the cinema. Well, you would anyway, wouldn't you? You'd go more than once anyway, really. Yeah, I, well, I usually go three or four times. To see <laughs> the first time, I'm always kind of overawed by the film. Yeah. The second time, I kind of, um, you know, settle down a bit. And by the third one, you always spot things that you don't see in the... Right. I think, you know, I love going to cinema to see Bond films. I've, been, I've never been to a premiere, but I have been to a kind of private showing which was quite good when I did some work with um, Sony and they did there was an invited audience only the night before the actual release obviously right. I went back to see it the next night with my wife but um, yes <laughs> yeah we just want to see the new film you know it's it, they're doing all this teasing and then you just can't get to see it which is really sad really it's um, hopefully that will change you know there were bigger things at stake in the world at the moment than the new Bond film but um, you know the whole situation is well, it's just difficult, isn't it? We have to wait and see what happens. You can understand the frustration, but um, you can't put that film out and lose all that money because then you, you risk not being able to make another film, you know, because yeah. it's, it's an expensive business making bomb films. Okay, you, were gonna, you said earlier at the start you've got some books to show us. I have, yeah. I brought yeah, some books have a lot. So I've got, I counted them up for you last night, um, Steve, um, and I have over 300 <laughs> books on James Bond. Now, these aren't all novels. Some of them are reference books, film books, Graphic novels as well, because there's a lot of graphic novels out um, about Bond and there's some more coming out later this year. But I picked a few out of my collection. I've got a few favourites. So um, it's from Us We Love. This one was bought in your bookshop. So yes. in the George Street bookshop. 
I love these pan covers. Oh, I love them. Yeah. I love them. I mean, I collect quite a few of these. These are, um, they're lovely books. These are from the fifties and, um, they're just, I love the, I love the hand drawn artwork on them. They're great. They're kind of, um, Oh, absolutely. Really good. Um, and then I've got, there's another one there. That's another pan one, live and let die. Right. Um, I love that. It's interesting to see what the artists kind of, how they interpreted Bond. It looked like Timothy Bond. Dalton or something like that, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, you kind of, when you see some of the, you know, Bond was a was a character in the Daily Express in a comic strip. And when you see um, the illustration for that, it was pre-Connery, but he doesn't look very much like Connery. You know? Right. <laughs> um, this one, this one is just, I'm just showing off for this one. This one's signed by George Lazenby. And this is... Oh. Um, so I met Lazenby a couple of years ago. I interviewed him for a website. Um, interesting character. Probably the most difficult interview I've ever done. But when he could tell that I knew my stuff, he kind of warmed to me. But um, okay, it's hard, really, because he wants you to interview him about other stuff other than Bond. But, you know, he hasn't really done much other stuff than Bond, has he? So, you know. Um, yeah. I've got a couple of other things here. These are really nice. These are... These are um, the book club edition. These came out um, in the 60s as well, published by Kate, the book club. I bought these. There's a great bookshop on the Isle of Wight where I come from, where my dad lives in Ride. And my sister found me this one, I think. My sister, before COVID, she travelled all over the country. She works in the theatre. She's always like texting me saying, have you got this one? Have you got this one? Because I, I love finding old, old yeah. bombs. Um, I've, I've tried a few times. Have you got nah, this one? I, yes. Yeah. Damn, I found some really good ones, and then these are what this is a current one. So, these are the Folio Society, and they're doing these um reissues. They're oh, lovely, beautiful. they're in a box, a box kind of case, and they're, they're they're really nice. They're about 30 quid, you can buy them all. But these illustrations are oh, lovely. I love the illustrations, the golden, the illustrator, just brilliant. So, they're um, they're like proper collector's editions. So, I always ask for them for Christmas or my birthday, but I'm a bit scared to actually kind of sit and read them because they're so precious to yes. look at but they're you know they've done pretty much all of them i think there's another one due they do two a year there's probably one due out in the summer and one due out in, in in the winter or the autumn but they're they're really worth it if you love your kind of you know your hand illustrated books they're real they're real gifts to kind of treasure for people as well so um you know diamonds are forever but so are books aren't they you know yes absolutely <laughs> right um before we go yeah i'll put it on the line your favorite book Bond book and your favourite Bond film? Oh, I think, well, my favourite Bond book is, I'd say probably Live and Let Die or Moonraker. They're toss up between those two, really. Um, I really like Live and Let Die, the kind of exotic feel that it's got, um, the characters in it, a kind of mysterious kind of voodoo element. But Moonraker was interesting because it's the first one that was written, uh, it was all set in the UK. So that's a really good book. It's a really good kind of talk thriller that's tough, really. Yeah, I mean, it's like choosing your own grandchildren. Isn't it? You love them all, <laughs> but you, you ain't got to have a favourite. My favourite Bond film is um, is is from Russia with Love. As right. I said earlier, yeah. I think it's probably closest to the novel. Uh, it's just a great Cold War thriller, and it was before all the kind of gadgets and the gizmos really took over. It's really stylish. I think the plotting is great in it. Connery looks great in it. Robert Shaw. Yeah, and it's got my favourite Bond girl in it, you know, Tatiana Romanova. Oh, yeah, yeah, brilliant. Daniel Bianchi. Uh, and it's, it's got a great song, Matt Monroe, great John Barry soundtrack. You know, what more could you want? Fantastic. We've got lots of uh, James Bond, Ian Fleming books in the shop. Uh, so people should rush in or go on our website uh, and order them. Okay, Sean, we'll end it Thanks. there. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I've managed to escape because I've got some top secret important information for you. Some authors and books you should be reading. 
There's lots of them, of course, but for now, just tell you, Robert Harris, Frederick Forsyth, Eric Ambler, Amanda Scott, John Lawton, William Boyd, Charles Cummings, Alex Girls. There are more, but I've got to go for now. Give me one minute and I'll give you some specific recommendations. Okay. I think I can talk. Alan First, Mission to Paris, one of the Night Soldier series books. They're all good, except maybe the last one. There's about 12 of them. Anyway, Mission to Paris, set just pre-war, 1938 in Paris. And it's got drama, it's got thrills and spills. It's got romance. And it's got some really good history. Graham Greene, our man in Havana. Fantastic about a British national who's a vacuum cleaner salesman. And in my six, get him to spy for them. And he does it for the money. The only problem is, is he's got no information whatsoever, so he makes it up. And MI6 love it. Anyway, hilarious. Kate Atkinson transcription. A transcriptionist for the BBC in the Second World War was recruited to MI5. After the war, she rises through the ranks. In love, betrayal, Nazis, double agents, warm humour. Great, great book. Edward Wilson, a very British ending. Set in the 70s, Harold Wilson... Uh, his government, uh, Labour government, and the establishment don't like him. It's all about birth. There's public school boys. There's, there's, there's coup attempts. Is it true? Is it not? It's a real history. It's fantastic. Mick Heron, Slow Horses. Mick Heron has reinvented the spy novel. He's outrageous and he's funny and brilliant. Get on to Mick Heron. Len Dayton, Dear Crestfile. Come on. Dear Crestfile's great. Harry Palmer, his name is in the film. Michael Caine, of course, played him in the book. He has no name. It's a fantastic Cold War story. You're going to love it. And finally, the master, Jean Le Carré. Bless him. We're not getting any more Le Carré books, but the ones we have got are fantastic. But I've decided on the spy who came in from the cold. It's another Cold War story. It's when our country and our secret intelligence services finally acknowledge that it's not necessarily my country, right or wrong. We're not right, they're not right, we're all wrong. <laughs> but anyway, it's a brilliant, brilliant book. Get down to that, John Carey. Thanks for listening. You can keep up to date with us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search for George Street Community Bookshop. And if you're interested in joining our book club, drop us a line. Don't forget, even though the shop may be closed at the moment, you can still buy books from us online via our website, georgestreetcommunitybookshop.co.uk. And with over 4,000 titles to browse, we're sure you'll find something that takes your fancy.